Welcome to this episode of Eyes on Earth. We are a podcast that focuses on our ever-changing planet and on the people here at Eros and around the world who use remote sensing to monitor and study the well-being of Earth. I'm your host, John Holt. Today, we're talking wildfires, specifically the risk wildfires pose to communities in the United States. Around 73,000 wildfires burn an average of 7 million acres of private, state, and federal land every year in the U.S., Eros uses data from Landsat satellites and a variety of other sources to make maps of vegetation and fuels through an interagency partnership called Landfire. That information helps land managers, firefighters, and scientists understand and respond to those fires. Recently, Landfire data was used to help build a new forest service tool called Wildfire Risk to Communities. The tool has interactive maps, charts, and resources to help communities understand, explore, and reduce wildfire risk. So today, we're talking with Frank Fay who works for the U.S. Forest Service and serves as the business lead for the Land Fire Program. Frank, welcome to Eyes on Earth. Thanks, John. All right. So uh, today we're talking wildfire risk to communities. It's this new tool. What, what was the impetus for the creation of this tool? There was an act of Congress, obviously, but what's the backstory there? Yeah, we, we were uh, directed, the Forest Service was directed to create this in the 2018 Appropriation Act. Congress wanted the Forest Service to work with partners to provide more information and resources to communities that might be threatened by wildfire. The target audience was local community leaders like uh, like mayors or uh, city councilors, uh, fire marshals, people like that. So we built a website that we thought they could use, people with a limited amount of time and, and some experience, but but not a uh, depth of, uh, of knowledge. Right. So it's, a, it's meant to be user friendly and kind of more general public friendly. That's right. Okay. So the, the website, it also says that this tool, it's the first time that wildfire risk has been mapped nationwide. It almost seems hard to believe given that it's 2020. What makes this tool so unique compared with the other wildfire risk tools that are out there right now? Risk is a, is a consideration of likelihood, intensity, exposure, and susceptibility. To my knowledge, this is the first time that wildfire risk has been mapped in all 50 states. We're using nationally consistent data. Lots of other states and regions have completed quantitative wildfire risk assessment. Most of the Forest Service regions have completed regional assessments. Some of those, those Forest Service uh, assessments only look at national forest system lands, and some look at all lands. There's another tool that's quite popular called the Wildfire Hazard Potential. It looks at likelihood and intensity for the lower 48 states. It doesn't consider the valued assets like homes or infrastructure. It's not really a risk assessment. There are three parts to the website. The first one helps you understand the components of risk and how those are calculated. The second part is, is the explore, where you can interact with the maps and see risk at different scales in different areas. And, and the third part is to reduce your risk or mitigate your risk. And there we provided links to organizations or, or federal programs that can help you uh, learn more about how to do actions in your community or sometimes even access resources like grants to help you do those actions. Right. So it's kind of a it's kind of a wealth of, of information if, if you're going to use it as a starting point. It, it gives you a lot of direction from the jump. Yeah, I, I think so. I, I like to think it's, it's a good place to jump off. But don't don't assume that it's going to solve the community's problem. We're not replacing the, the places that already have a wildfire risk assessment. But I think wildfire risk to communities can provide a floor for communities and a starting point for further analysis. I'm glad that you brought that up because it says on the website, some of the language in the frequently asked questions says this is a tool that might be most valuable for comparison, one community versus another community. You're not supposed to use this to be 
the be all end all tool for your community, but it's a way to sort of measure nationally with a consistent data set. Is that right? Yeah, that, that's correct. I don't think this tool is appropriate to zoom into your house or even to your neighborhood, but to compare one community within a state to another community within that state or to two communities in, in different states, I think it, it's a valid comparison. One of the other corners we had to cut, if you will, is that we had to assume that the susceptibility of every home is the same. And we know that's not the case. Some homes do a really good job of cleaning up around their space, the home ignition zone. Some homes have better materials that they're built with and so have lower susceptibility to wildfire. So if you're looking at the tool and it says you should do these three things to protect your house and you look around and you say, we've done that or our community has done that, good for you. And if you haven't done that, it's kind of a jumping off point. Yeah, I think so. It, it's a good place to, to start a conversation with others in your community. Let's talk about land fire. Can you briefly describe what land fire is and then talk a little bit about the role land fire data played in the creation of this tool? Yeah, land fire is a program that maps vegetation and fuels. It is almost 20 years old now from the first uh, time somebody thought that this was possible. Land fire uses a combination of satellite imagery from Landsat field plots and biospatial information like radiance, like uh, elevation and aspect and rainfall and growing days. And we use these data sets to combine them with algorithms to predict what the vegetation is going to be like in places where we don't have plots. So the land fire data provides the vegetation and field conditions that we use to predict our behavior through a model. We used a model called the Large Fire Simulator that was developed by the Fire Lab in Missoula, Montana. That model combines topography, which is a USGS product, fuels from the land fire um, project, weather from the National Weather Service, and then fire history. Those four things are combined to create a simulation based on probabilities of, of a single fire year. And that fire year is repeated over and over, tens of thousands of times. The resulting product is, is a map that shows the, the likelihood that a fire will occur and the intensity so Landfire was a very important part of the mix of data sources for this product. Was it always part of the discussion? Landfire is really the only option. There, there are no other data sets that have the scope, scale, and detail needed to run this simulation. I don't think we talked about any options for vegetation and fuels besides Landfire because we already knew that the Landfire data would work. Now, it's my understanding there was a trial rollout here. It was just released to the public here in April, but was there a trial run with this? We did a pilot effort in the state of Washington to see what was feasible. We did that last winter and completed the pilot in June of 19 and distributed the results in the summer of 19. And uh, we selected the Washington for the pilot because they had recently completed a statewide analysis. So that allowed us to spot check our results and then see how some of these techniques have played out and whether they gave meaningful results. We got some good feedback from reviewers about the, uh, the pilot, and then we were able to incorporate those ideas into the, uh, the national product. It's my understanding that this is not the end of this, of this tool. This is not a one-time snapshot deal. Can you talk a little bit about the updates that might be coming and what the timeline might, excuse me, and what the timeline might be on those? Sure, sure, Tom. There are some additional things we wanted to do that, that came out of the pilot. There are some additional data and functionality that we'd like to add to the website. And uh, we think we can roll that out in this summer, maybe maybe August. We haven't got a date. Um, 
But we also get a lot of questions about, can we update this with the new base data? That data for the continental United States is gonna be completed this summer. And then Alaska and Hawaii will be released the spring of next year. You may have noticed the census is gathering data right now. That should all be available in 2021. So yeah, we, we definitely could do an update, but it's gonna depend on how much interest we get, the congressional support, and do we have available funding to make this happen? Right, but but ultimately, all the data that goes into this, from the weather data to the census data to the land fire data, is being updated, and you could potentially move this forward as those projects move forward, as new information becomes available. Yes, we could. It's a bit labor intensive, and so we'll have to have the money to support the actions. But yeah, we could. How, let me let me ask you this, Frank. This is this yeah. was off the cuff question here. What do you see as a measure of success for this? I mean. A year from now, what kind of feedback would you have heard to say, yes, this was a good thing. I'm glad we did this. Uh, what are you hoping to hear? What are your metrics there? I'm hoping, you know, we're, we're measuring people who visit the website um, and we're going to be able to tell what sort of searches they perform. So I, I'd like to see that uh, there's been widespread use across the country. And I'd like to hear from back from a few communities that say, yeah, this, this got us off the dime and we've taken some steps. From your position, do you find that communities are often caught flat-footed here, or is it kind of a patchwork? I, I'm, I'm trying to imagine if you're the mayor of a town or if you're a land manager, there are so many things that are running through your mind. How close to the forefront is wildfire, and does this bring it closer, you know? Yeah. Um, <laughs> years ago, I was uh, on a county commission, uh, a, town, a town council. I was uh, president of the town council for a small community in Oregon. And, and there are a lot of things on their plate, and they don't have a lot of time to think about all the issues. And so, yeah, sometimes this, this does slip off the, uh, the plate. Most communities with a significant wildfire risk are aware of that, but the, the impetus to take action, it's competing with everything else, a virus, or it's your police force, or it's um, zoning. It's just a lot of things to do. This has been a, a fascinating discussion, Frank. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, John. I'm glad you asked. We hope you join us next time for the next episode of Eyes on Earth. This podcast is a product of the U.S. Geological Survey, Department of Interior. Interior.